Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck, and I appreciate you joining me this morning. How are you doing today? I hope all is going well and your weekend has been going great, and I hope you are ready to study the Word of God this morning. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought, I can't witness for Jesus because I don't have a degree in theology, I just don't think I can, I don't have confidence, I just can't do this? Have you ever thought anything along those lines? I want to encourage you today that you can, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at some unlikely witnesses for Jesus, and I pray it will encourage you to see that Jesus works through all of us, and we are able to be his witnesses. But before we dive into his scripture this morning, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Abba Father, we praise you this morning. We thank you. You have given us another day. And Father, you give us each day to live for you to get to know you better by praying to you, by listening to you, by studying your word. And God, you also give us another day to tell somebody about you. Lord, as we read throughout your word from Genesis to Revelation, we see that you want us, you command us to go out and tell others about you. And Father, just so many people just think that they can't because they, one, they don't have the confidence to do so. Two, maybe they haven't been trained to do so. But God, you show us in your word that you empower us to do it. And God, as we look at that this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will touch each heart and encourage each one to realize that with you, we can be bold witnesses for Jesus. And so, Father, I just want to lift that up this morning. Lift those people up to you this morning who who have felt that way. God, those who are out witnessing for you, God, continue to bless them, continue to Strengthen their witness, Father God, and continue to give them more and more boldness. Father, I pray for those who don't know you, Jesus, as their Savior and Lord. I pray that today will be their day that they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So, Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you reveal your truth to us. Holy Spirit, teach us, and may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. Father, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I mentioned just a minute ago, we are going to talk about unlikely witnesses for Jesus. Too many people have a perception that you have to be a well-polished preacher or evangelist to be a witness for Jesus, but that's not what Jesus says at all. Unfortunately, sometimes it's modeled that way throughout the, the church in America, but that's that's not the case at all. Jesus calls for all of us to be witnesses unto him, and he doesn't say we have to have a theology degree, a, a doctorate in theology, or anything like that. We just need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And we see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus, he's about to ascend to the Father and sit at the right hand of the Father, And he tells his disciples, therefore he's telling us, because if you're a believer, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know if you continue to read Acts in chapter 2, we see how the disciples were obedient to Jesus, and they waited And the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them. And Peter immediately started preaching the gospel. Thousands of people are getting saved. People are being saved daily. And it's because people were obedient to Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they told others about Jesus. And that's what we are to do. And as I mentioned 
last week, I always take this verse and I look at Jerusalem as being, my Jerusalem is Dothan, Alabama, because that is my home. And that Jerusalem was where the apostles were at. And that was their home, that area. And then all Judea and Samaria, I look at that as the region, the Wiregrass region that I live in, and also the southeastern United States, and then all of the U.S., and then the ends of the earth. Well, that's, to me, the ends of the earth is on the other side of the world, and to go and to proclaim the gospel there. And that's what Jesus tells us to be his witnesses, and he tells us we can do it. And we know in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he tells us at the end there, he says, and I am with you always. So see, we have Jesus with us always, and through the Holy Spirit, he is in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us so we can do this. And today I want to encourage you. I want to, in the Gospels, look at some examples and then share a personal uh, example as well. So let's go to Acts, actually. Let's go to Acts chapter 26, and we're going to read verses 4 through 23. And this is about the Apostle Paul. So you may be saying, wait a second, Ken, you said some unlikely witnesses of Jesus. Well, Paul was an extremely unlikely witness for Jesus because when we first meet Paul in the Scripture, he is not a follower of Jesus. Matter of fact, he is doing everything in his power to end the movement they called the way. They always talked about Jesus the Nazarene, and he wanted to put an end to that movement. He was very much against it. He was empowered by the by the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling authority of the Jews of the day, to go out and arrest people. And for blasphemy, you can be stoned. And we know that Stephen was the first martyr, and Paul was there, approving of Stephen being stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is definitely not someone, if you knew him as Saul at the beginning, before he converted, before he came to Jesus, Paul would have been like the least likely person you would have thought would be telling others to believe in Jesus and to be saved. You can think of some people today or even people of other faiths who are very much against the teachings of Jesus Christ, very much against Christianity. And you would think, well, they would never be people who would make a stand for Jesus and even be martyred for their faith in Jesus. Paul was one of those people, and he was martyred for his faith in Jesus. But before he met Jesus, he was very much against him. And in Acts chapter 26, we find Paul sharing his testimony, and that's what we're going to read. He's in front of King Agrippa, and he's sharing his testimony. It's, it's a defense, but it's really his testimony about his life. We'll pick up in verse 4, chapter 26, verse 4. Paul is speaking. He says, My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them 
often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in rage and fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So we see Paul is clearly stating he was against Jesus and all of his followers, arresting them, having them beaten, and even approving of their deaths. So Paul was not, well, he was Saul at that time. He was not a friend of Christians. He was a big enemy of Christians. And he continues his testimony here in verse 12. Paul says, In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw a bright light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in faith by faith in me. So Paul is sharing his conversion right there where Jesus spoke to him and great, great moment on the road to Damascus And Paul, his faith changed right there. So instead of being an enemy of Christ, he became a servant of Christ and went on to write three-quarters of the New Testament and did so many amazing things in the name of Jesus. He went on to be martyred for his faith in Christ. That's a person who would not have been thought of as an apostle for Jesus early in his life. He was a Pharisee, and he was very much against Jesus and against the followers of Jesus. So you look at a person like that and think of think of a person. Maybe you are or have been a person who just did not care for Jesus or didn't even think much about him. Or maybe you have been very much against Jesus and you're listening and saying, well, there's no way I can be a follower of Christ and tell others about him. Well, if you come to Jesus, he will forgive you because he still loves you. And he will empower you to be his witness, just like he did for Paul. So Paul, being an unlikely witness for Jesus early in his life, became one of the greatest followers of Christ. But let's look at another person who wasn't one of the greatest apostles to ever walk the earth, but she was an awesome disciple of Jesus, and that's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, she was a disciple of Jesus, and according to the Gospels' accounts, she was cleansed by Jesus of seven demons. So when Jesus met her, she was not a follower, and she was really filled with seven demons. So she obviously wasn't following Jesus, but she was following evil ways and doing things that that were evil because of the demon possession. But she was one of the witnesses of the crucifixion, the burial of Jesus, and first person to see Jesus after the resurrection. So Jesus met this person, Mary, Mary Magdalene, right where she was at in her dark state and healed her, saved her. And she came on to be a great witness of Christ. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And this is where we are introduced to Mary. And there's a number of Marys in Scripture, but she is Mary 
Magdalene from or Mary of Magdala. But let's read Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Soon afterward, he went through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chosa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their own means. So we see where seven demons had been cast out of her, healed of seven, seven demons, according to Scripture here. We can pretty much surmise that Mary probably suffered from severe emotional and psychological trauma. She was battered and bruised and in agony from the demon possession. And at that point, before she met Jesus, she had lost all control of her life, and she had lost all dignity. But through all of that, Jesus met her right where she was at, and he saved her. He healed her. He delivered her. He set her free. And from that moment on, she lived with total abandonment for Jesus. We see that she is mentioned at least 12 times in the Gospels. And why is that important? Because that's more than many of the apostles were mentioned in the Gospels. So she was a very important person in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus met her where she was at. She didn't have any degrees. She had demons, and he set her free from them. And he lifted her up, set her on solid ground, mentored her, and she served him the rest of her life. And she was a great witness of Jesus for Jesus. So many can look at their lives. Maybe you're not possessed by seven demons, but maybe your life is a mess. And you're like, how can I become a witness for Jesus? Well, go to Jesus. Pray to him. Ask him to take care of whatever situation is going on in your life. If you need deliverance, he can and he will deliver you. And he will set you free from all those bondages. And you can be filled with his spirit and be a witness for Jesus. So Mary was very much an unlikely candidate to be a witness for Jesus, much less such a strong disciple of Jesus. But that's who Jesus used. He uses people who others would not. I mean, look, look at his disciples. What a motley crew he picked out. <laughs> and he transformed their lives. And because of their faith in Jesus and their dedication to continue to tell others about Jesus, the message of Jesus, the gospel, has continued all these years. And that's why we're here today still living for Jesus, still preaching, teaching his word, and telling others the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you ever think, well, I can't, I, I just don't know how I, I can't be a witness for Jesus, look at Mary's life, Mary Magdalene, and see what a mess she was. And chances are your life isn't as messed up as hers was. Jesus can use you. Jesus can work through you. He wants to work through you. Let's look at another woman in the Bible. Let's turn to John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. Any of you have ever watched The Chosen? Just an incredible series. Third season's going to start, I think, late summer, early fall. But if you have it, you can go online to YouTube. There's an app called The Chosen, and you can watch all of the episodes. And it's absolutely free. And the story of Jesus setting Mary Magdalene free is it's wonderfully portrayed there. And it's very powerful. And so is The Woman at the Well. And I just encourage you to go check that out if you haven't already. The Chosen, and you'll see 
these two scenes in the series, and it's just very powerfully portrayed. But we see Jesus is with his disciples, and they're going to, they're in Samaria. Now, if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, they do not like each other. Matter of fact, they hate each other. For Jesus and his disciples to be in Samaria, that was a pretty big deal. But Jesus, he loves us all. He doesn't care what race we are. He doesn't care what our economic status is. He, he loves us. He loves us all the same. And he shows this in Samaria. And so his disciples are with them. And let's pick up in verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Now, the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well, was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar, her water jar, and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Can this be the Christ? Then they went out of the town and were coming to him. I'm going to skip down to verse 20, uh, 39. Many Samaritans came from that town, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. 
So here was a woman of Samaria, and she had had five husbands, and she was currently living with someone. So is that a person you would look at and say, one day she is going to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Probably not. But again, Jesus doesn't look at us that way. Jesus actually revealed to her, the first person he revealed to, that he is the Messiah. He publicly revealed it to her the first time in public that he had done that. And she went to town, to her town, and told everybody about Jesus. Now, she was at the well in the middle of the day, a time that women don't didn't go to the well to draw water. That was usually early in the morning. But she was so shameful of her life that she didn't want to go when other women were there and hear people talking about her and so forth. So she waited for a time when she would be the only one there. And Jesus knew she would be there. And he met her right where she was at. And she believed. And she became a witness of Jesus. And we see that the people came to him and asked him to stay. And he did. And many came to faith because it all started with this woman telling them about him. And then when they came and heard Jesus, they believed him. It took the woman's witness to draw their attention. And she became a wonderful witness of Christ. So see, here's another example of Jesus taking somebody who you would never think would be a witness of Jesus, and she witnesses to her entire town. So you can do this. If she can, you can. And let's look at another unlikely witness for Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Here's another unlikely witness. This man was filled with many demons. Matter of fact, they said their name was Legion. And he was often found living in a graveyard with no clothes on. At times he was bound with chains and shackles, but he broke them. So people were extremely afraid of this man, and rightly so. 
But Jesus met him, and his life changed. But when people saw this guy before he met Jesus, guarantee you nobody said, this guy, he is going to be a witness for that Jesus of Nazareth. No, nobody thought that at all. Then Jesus met him, set him free, and the man wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus had a better plan for him, and that was to be a witness of Jesus in in his hometown. And it says the scripture says that the man went and he told the whole town what Jesus had done for him. What an awesome witness. And you know people, they knew what he was like, and now they see him. They couldn't help but believe that Jesus had performed this miracle and that Jesus truly is the Messiah. And this man testified about that, was a witness about that. So again, if you think your life is too messed up or you don't have the credentials to be a witness, if you're saved, you're a born-again believer, filled with the Spirit of God, there's your credentials right there. You can go out and be a witness. And one more quick example I want to give you is not in the Bible, but it's me. If I can be a witness for Jesus, so can you. Now, uh, some people may be thinking, but Ken, you're a pastor. You're, you, you lead a ministry. Well, that's true, but I haven't always been a pastor. I haven't always led a ministry. I lived a life before I met Jesus that I'm not proud of. Drugs, alcohol, women, all of that. I was into all that, but I was so empty inside. But I was taught better in my life. I was raised by an awesome mom and dad, and they made sure I was in church. So I, I knew I was not living right, but I did it anyway. And definitely not one who somebody would say, hey, that guy's going to be a, a witness for Jesus one day. Matter of fact, I remember my freshman year in college, and some Christian students were trying to witness to me. And I insulted them. I called them all kind of names and told them to get out of my face. I'm not proud of that, but I'm just letting you know where I came from. So see, at that moment, I guarantee you those Christians didn't think that I was going to become a follower of Christ one day. But you know what? I did. I came to Jesus in 1989, gave my life to him while I was in my car, my old Chevrolet Chevette. I gave my life to Jesus, and he changed my life. And I started wanting him more and more and more. And I did end up going to college, but I didn't get a degree in Christianity or in theology or anything like that. I got a degree in journalism, and I became a journalist. And I was a journalist for 22 years. Now, they called journalists commie pinko liberals at that time. But truth be known, there was a number of us who were Christians, and there still are today in, in, that, in that field. But I'm definitely not one people would have pointed at and said, hey, he's going to be a great witness for Jesus. But I started witnessing to others, and I started telling others about Jesus and Jesus just kept teaching me things, and, and I studied his word, and I still study his word. I read his word, and I, I just dig into it. And I've taken discipleship courses and just really consumed his word because I want to be that witness that he wants me to be. So see, we can do that. And again, if I can do it, so can you. I'm no better than you are. I'm no better than anybody else. Nobody is better than anybody else. You can look at Billy Graham and a Franklin Graham, or think of any evangelists or pastors or teachers that you know. It's not just because they are great teachers or great preachers or great evangelists. It's because they decided, I'm going to follow Jesus and allow Jesus to work in their lives and to work through them. But I tell you, I know many people, they're not evangelists, they're not pastors. Well, the truth be known, if you're a believer in Jesus, we're all called to evangelize, but not all of us are called to be an evangelist in the 
in the sense that we think of an evangelist like Billy Graham. But I know many Christians who are wonderful, wonderful witnesses for Jesus in their everyday lives. And that's what we all have to do. That's what we all have to be. In our everyday lives, share Jesus with others. Tell others what he's done in your life. Share your testimony like Paul did that we read about earlier. Live a life where people can see that you're different. You're not, you're not like others in this world, but you're living a life for Christ so they can see it and they can also hear it. And we can do this because Jesus is always with us and we're filled with his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit gives us power to be bold, to be witnesses for Jesus. So you can do this. I promise you. Just step out this week and tell one person. I challenge you. Tell one person what Jesus has done in your life. And I guarantee you, you're going to get a a feeling of just wonder and say, wow, Jesus, your word is true. You are with me. Your Holy Spirit does empower me to do this, and you'll keep doing it. So I want to encourage you to do that. And I hope this message encouraged you that you can be a witness for Jesus, and he commands us to be a witness for him. So you can do it, I promise you. And I challenge you to do that this week. And we're out of time. But I thank you for joining me this week on Sunday Morning with Love and Action. And I hope you have a great week coming up. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.